Son Kearney on to his right foot and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reed. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under, and we are back after the international break. It's been a couple of weeks since we've potted and uh, here to talk about the Monday night game against Spurs and also catch up on all the news coming out of the Fulham women's camp as they played a couple of important games during the international break. Here to discuss everything with us, we have Sammy. How are we going, Sam? Hey, yeah, I'm going all right. Um, I didn't make last pod. I had my colonoscopy, but I'm fresh off of that. So that's all good. Um, yeah, it's been a been a tough week, tough political week, but Okay, it's nice to talk about Fulham again. It's nice to it's nice to get get back into what we do best, you know. A classic Sam opening. Thanks for that, Sammy. Gang, gang, and what's up, Dad? How are we going? I, I'm not sure what I do to deserve uh, the follow up gig from from those openings. I never quite know whether to uh, try and best it, or just try and turn it down, or just try and breathe and regroup. But, Brother, you uh, made hi, this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello, sons, and hello, everyone. Yeah, I think maybe I need to really make an effort to start with you and then push on to Sam afterwards going forward, but um, we'll get there. We're also really enjoying the beard tonight, although for some reason it's blurring out your top lip. Um, I don't know if that's because there's some sort of political message on your top lip or something's going on there, but um, yeah, still enjoying the beard on your face, which is good to see. Yeah, well, um, enjoy it while it lasts because it doesn't. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. One of the beard boys for the last few weeks, but it'll be uh, back to normal again soon. Um, Let's have a look at the upcoming game. It's been a while. Um, Our last game, obviously, the game against Sheffield United, a a decent win, although not overly inspiring. But this is going to be a real test. Um, Sammy Spurs in pretty incredible form at the moment, sitting top of the league. Uh, with Ange Postacoglu taking charge uh, in the summer. I don't think many people really expected Spurs to be flying as high as they are, and they've, they've sort of taken like a duck to water with Ange at the helm. Um, I don't know how much of Spurs you've watched this year, but what are your thoughts on on how they're performing? Oh, I mean, reluctantly, I think they're actually an incredible squad. I mean, um, they're completely reformed under Ange Postacoglu. Um, uh, um, the attacking venom that they have is, uh, akin to our women's team or even Man City. They, they're completely reshaped. Um, they press so intensely. I mean, we've already played them earlier this year, so, um, there is a fault there. Be interesting to see how we actually line up this time around, because I imagine they're probably going to be playing with a much stronger squad with a lot of confidence. But yeah, no, it'll be cool. Like they're extremely impressive. I don't think Ange Postacoglu is going to be slowing down at all. Um, I hate to say, but I really like him. I think they're really. I think what he's doing is really, really cool. Song, he's the most lovable man in football, probably outside of Tim Ream. Um, yeah. Ah, yeah. Hongin Song, he's gorgeous, gorgeous guy. I love him. He's mm. he's the nicest man in the world. Have you seen interviews mm. with him? He's so lovely. Oh, no. I will. He's the only Spurs player I'll actually go on record in defending. I love that man. He's gorgeous. Yeah, he's a bit of a brat sometimes on the pitch, to be honest. But anyway. What? Um, How dare you? How dare you? Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm looking through different goggles, but... Uh... Um, yeah, well, interesting. Isn't it fascinating how Postacoglu has just been embraced... And I, I guess he's a breath fresh air in the Premier League in terms of management. It's just no bullshit. He's very, very honest. He's very hard on his sleeve. He doesn't try and um, spruik it in any way. He He's very clever at actually diffusing any pressure on himself and probably on the team as well. And, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's kind of a nice a nice uh, dimension to the Premier League and I suppose we're, we're fairly used to him and his style, but um, 
it it's it's a nice thing to see in the Premier League for sure. And and I think that that result, albeit a cup game, that result that we got against um, Spurs, um, may turn out to be a little bit of a, a trophy this year. Yeah, I think you're right. We we're, we're probably a little more used to it, having seen Postacoglu as the Australian manager, and you know being a little bit more aware of him as a person than most in the Premier League would have done. And a lot of people didn't think he could do it, but he's a great man manager. He does get a lot out of that side and and really does manage to bring the best out of his group of players at all times. The interesting thing I found is you know, there haven't been a huge number of signings that Spurs have made. I know they bought in Manor, um, Manor Solomon, we know, obviously. But um, I don't know if you guys saw, he's picked up a... Uh, mm. The same injury he had when mm. he was at Fulham, so it dodged a bit of a bullet there. But in terms of other signings, you know, they signed James Madison from Leicester. It's a very good pickup. Mickey Van der Ven's played a lot of games for them at centre back as well. Um, mm. Brennan Johnson they picked up from Nottingham Forest. He's an exciting young player. But really, considering the fact that they lost Harry Kane at the very start of the transfer window, and um, Davinson Sanchez as well played quite a lot of games for them last season. It, he's actually had quite a tough task taking on a Spurs squad that hasn't had a huge amount of investment over the last few years and he's probably expected to play a level above where they usually do play and he's actually pushed them to that level. So um, hats off to him and he, he has managed to get them clicking. I know we saw like Richarlison really struggling last season and he's turned into a, a bit of a different player recently. So um uh, I, I think, like you said, Dad, the cup game may feel like a bit of a win for us at the end of the season against a very good Spurs side. Not sure it's actually going to translate into um, the same result in the league. Mm. No, of course not. Sammy? But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you you take, don't you? And, and to be fair, uh, from my memory, it wasn't a full-strength Spurs side, not to take anything away from our great um, result that night, but it, it wasn't uh, a 110% Spurs mm. side. Um, yeah. But still, I'll take it. Look, I mean, they're, they're definitely beatable, and I think they actually play in a way that... Uh, am I going to... Is this the right turn of phrase? But uh, they play in a way that can actually complement us quite well because they do do a lot of work... Um, counter-attacking and then leaving a lot of space in behind them. I mean, yeah. if you can essentially block that off, which Kenny Tete and... Um, uh, oh, my God, it's been such a long time. <laughs> Kenny Tete and Robinson can actually do, like, really, really well. Like, our defense is really, really solid. So that can actually um, work wonders for us, especially now that the guys have had a little bit of rest as well. And a lot of those players would have been playing internationally. So, I mean, it's it's definitely, it could be on the cards to be a really, really good game. Um, I was just thinking as well, it's really similar how um, uh, Silver came in with pretty much the exact same squad and has kind of done the same thing that Ange has done and just completely um, uh, restructured them, invigorated <laughs> them without too many changes, but just a couple of key signings that just seem to just completely invigorate that squad. No, it's just, I mean, good managers, they're priceless, aren't they? Yeah, I was going to say, you, you, you made a very positive and upbeat comment about our defence. I'm not sure that is quite a shoe-in at the moment. You know, we've got Diop with mm. a question mark over the state of his foot, leg, whatever the injury is. Um, but that could be a serious one. Tosin's basically out, and if he's not out, he's out to lunch. Mm. Um, and, and, and so there's, there's, there's a question mark over a center back there and, um, Tete is, is, is yet to be fully fit. And I know Castagna is doing really well, but it's not exactly, um, a unit that is in form fit and firing on four cylinders at all. Mm. But like well, with um, the, uh, substitute options, I, I still I still like them a lot. Like Castagna and Bassi, I'm still pretty behind them as players, and yeah, all they just need is minutes. Jack, you go. Yeah, I, I'm just having a look at the injuries because it's a good point you make about the number of injuries that are, seem to be growing 
Although we, we do have a few players coming back. Tosin is definitely not going to be available. Uh, we're still waiting to hear a little bit more news on the Diop injury. It's possible that it's not as serious as first feared, but we'll wait and see. Um, we do expect Tete, Lukic and um, Adama Traore all to be back for uh, this good. this coming game. Um, they were all expected to to be back sort of early October. So the fact that this international break has sort of fallen at kind of a good time for us to allow those players just to get a few minutes in their legs. So I'm sure there's a couple of behind closed doors friendlies. So hopefully no one's picked up any injuries in that period. Um, but yeah, look, I, I do sort of agree with Sammy. I think if we did not have Diop available and we didn't have Tete available, I wouldn't feel terrible going into this game with Bassi and Castagna as backups either. Um, what I would like to do is just look at Spurs' recent form and and maybe try and gather a bit of information from it. Um, if we look at their last five games, they've all been in the league because they're not playing in the cup competitions at the moment. Um, they had a 1-0 win against Luton. Uh, now, that was after a man was sent off. I can't remember off the top of my head who it was. I think it was um, Basuma. Um, yeah, but yeah, I need to double check that. I'm pretty sure no, it was Basumi who was sent off by half time, so he'll be missing for the game. Um, expect Hoiberg will probably come in for him or Bentanko, one of those players. So, um, a, a tough game for them against Luton. We saw what it's like playing against Luton as well. They can be quite a stodgy opponent to take on. A um, couple of good results there, though, against Liverpool a 2 1 victory, a 2 all draw against Arsenal in what we know is a big game for Arsenal playing Spurs. A 2-1 win against Sheffield United and a 5-2 victory against Burnley. Dad, I'll throw to you, just looking through those last five fixtures, it shows that this Spurs team is scoring a lot of goals. Yeah, I think you'd have to, without being unkind or disrespectful, you'd have to kind of remove the Luton, Sheffield and Burnley fixtures there because they're not in the same league as as uh, Spurs today. Um, but really good results against uh, Liverpool and Arsenal for sure, for sure. Oh, look, they're they're, they're a handful. They're they're a completely uh, different prospect uh, to last year, and I think I think they're getting better and better. Actually, I mean, when we met them in the cup, you know, we, obviously they weren't full strength, but I think they were just getting going. They're 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 in pretty good shape now and they're confident incredible bars in the stands you know there's is a very very good atmosphere there and um playing us playing away is is, is going to be really difficult really really difficult i mean <clears throat> one thing we can always say about this fulham side and the preparation and marco's attitude i think we do very much get up for big games against big sides we we, we often find ourselves talking about it um, when we're looking at a big fixture and they always surprise me how brave they are. I'm talking about Fulham, how brave they are. You know, the likes of the Reeds and the Decadover Reed, those sort of players in this side seem to really get up for big games. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be thinking that it's a foregone conclusion at all. One thing I would say is um, I, I can kind of respectfully disagree with um, uh, fobbing off the results of like Burnley, Sheffield and Luton. It's kind of similar to like the women's team as well. Like you can look at them and say we should obviously win that if you're Spurs. But the fact that they did win that and they are really in that mindset of just win. We win, we push, we get our goals. I feel that that does actually say something because – yeah, you're right. They should be beating them. But it's one thing to assume that they should and there's one thing to actually do it. Um, yeah, there's they they their their mentality is second to none hmm. at the moment, I think. Um, but I also agree with you. I do think that um our guys, we really, really show up for big games. And if anything, I, I don't want to say we struggle with um uh, our contemporaries, but it is a bit more challenging. I feel that we get in our head a little bit more for those games. And yeah, as we've seen, I mean, took it to Arsenal, took it to Tottenham. Um, I imagine when we play uh, Liverpool next, we'll probably take it to them. And yeah, we took it to Man City before everything kind of went pear-shaped. So yeah, it's kind of anyone's game in my opinion. There's 
Tottenham do have a couple of issues with um, with injuries. Uh, we have Perisic obviously out with an ACL injury. Mano Solomon's out. Brennan Johnson was left out of the Wales squad um, for the recent internationals due to a bit of a hamstring problem. Basuma is obviously out, and then um, Christian Romero uh, actually came off at half time during the international break. He's played every game at centre back, so there, there's a couple of little issues there, and it, it, it's one of those times when. As a mm. as a team like Fulham visiting a team who are flying high, when when they have a couple of little injuries, it does open the door a little bit for call it a bit of an upset. But really, you, you want to hit some of those players who might be coming into the team for the first time this season for a start. Might just be that fraction rusty, and and you know we've had a pretty good international break when you look at it as well. Harry Wilson, who looked like he was struggling for a bit of confidence, actually went away and scored a couple of goals. Um, we didn't pick up any fresh injuries as well through the international break. So maybe this game is actually coming at a bit of a good time for us. Your thoughts, Dad? Well, what I do know is, no, I do agree with you. We we haven't had any injuries. Um, and so that, okay, that's a good thing. I suppose it's not that much of a positive, but it's not, a, it's not a negative. Um, the tricky thing about the next month is that it's actually a fairly difficult set of fixtures. And um, we, I, I just don't want to see us losing momentum because it could easily end up being a very bare four weeks. And mm. um, this is probably our best chance to get something, I would have thought. Yeah, it's it's a really tough run that, that we have coming up. It's a... a kind of a nasty little run. It's one of those runs where at the very start of the season, you look at a calendar and just go, yeah, like you said, there's a high possibility that we just pick up no points over the next four or five games. Um, and it's, it, it is opportunities like this when you take on a side who might've picked up a couple of little, little niggles and little injuries. This is the time to try and actually make the most of it. Like you said, we, we've got Tottenham on Monday night. Then on Sunday, we play Brighton, um, excluding the the trip in the Carabao Cup to Ipswich. We then play Man United at home, Villa away. We've got Wolves at home, but then Liverpool away after that. Like, it's it's a pretty that's rough tough. little period. And, yeah, that's tough. You know, you, that, that actually means you look at that Wolves game and go, that needs to be three points. Um, you look 100%. at that Brighton game and go, we, we need to pick up a point there. So coming into this game, if we do manage to sneak a three points and, and get a win, it, it's actually vital for us for the season going forward because we've seen it ourselves how quickly you can slip down the ladder and you, you just don't want to be sliding down the table or rather rather staying stagnant and the other teams jumping over the top of you at this point in the season because before you know it, it's going to be December. We're going to be at that turn of year where you've played 19 games and you're halfway through the season and they start looking at who's bottom of the table at Christmas. I, I don't think we're going to be close to the bottom of the table but realistically, but you don't want to be just sitting outside that relegation zone come Christmas. You really want mm. to get a bit of a gap there. And so it's really important that these games we, we put everything into and there's, um, unfortunately, there's just no free hits for us this season. We we can't go into games underprepared. We can't go into games thinking it doesn't matter if we lose this one. We've got to go out there and try and really fight for points throughout the whole year. I, I think thinking back to what you said about the opportunity that, perhaps it's presenting itself with um, some players out of this team. If you, if you look at Tottenham, they're clearly not, they're not the best squad in the Premier League, but by a long way, they're not. Um, so so why are they doing so well? Well, they're an incredible unit who Postacoglu have got performing incredibly well. And, and so that does rely on regulars um, who understand each other play well with each other and the whole machine just works. So you're right. You take a couple of players out of that. I think it has a bigger effect than it does, uh, you know, taking three players out of Man City because they're also individually good. They'll still hurt you. And uh, you're, you're, you're less likely to be able to derail them with, with injuries or, or players out for whatever mm, reason. Well, the, the City point's an interesting one because – you look at the fact that De Bruyne is currently missing from City 
and Haaland can't manage to get on the score sheet. I know he's still averaging a goal a game, basically, but he's been shut out a few times and he's just not getting that same service that he's used to because they're such a tight unit who play together all the time. When you all of a sudden have to replace him with someone else, he's not on the same wavelength, maybe not quite the same quality. It, it does create some issues and and it's just those small openings that I think we have to go for. I don't think Tottenham are going to fall to pieces because they've got a couple of injuries and they're going to have to make a few changes. But I do yeah, think but it's, it's the value. It's the value of the unit. It's the value yeah. of the unit, isn't it? I'm I'm actually not sure if I agree because I think um um the Man City's probably the best example and um I think Tottenham is probably going to follow suit in a similar direction. I think um they're both teams that are extremely w- well run and if the past couple of years have told us anything it's that if um if a player in Man City doesn't want to adhere to the way that Pep Guardiola wants him to play. He just gets rid of him and then seemingly replaces him with somebody where people go, I'm not sure why you're replacing him with this guy. And then it seems to work even better. So I think it comes down to the management of the team as opposed to the actual players themselves. Yeah, obviously, um, there are certain players that complement other players a little bit better. But even if Haaland isn't scoring 50 goals this season, He's still going to score a lot of goals and City themselves are still going to score a lot of goals. And I think that's um, what Tottenham and Man City have over all the other teams at the moment. They're just so expertly run under one person's key vision. I, th- I think and you're I missing, for- missing the point, though. It's it's not saying that they'll fall to pieces because of that. It's saying that there are openings that occur because of a few little injuries and and. Spurs cannot be compared to City in their squad depth. City have some of the best players in the world unable to actually make the starting eleven. You look at someone like Alvarez, who's trying to force his way into the side and forcing players like Foden onto the bench because of it. And Calvin Phillips, who most teams would love to have, barely getting a game over the last two years. Um, Tottenham's squad depth is is just not the same. Uh, they're definitely All quality. Or quality, yeah, and and their their quality, they're, they're they're much better this year. They made some good signings, but if you look across the last, you know, four or five years, they they haven't actually made a huge number of signings. Um, and the the club, most people would consider, has been run really poorly over that period as well. Um, mm. It's actually the man management that's improved recently, mm. and I think that's what's actually turning it around. But I, I don't think. I don't think Postacoglu has been fully tested yet. Uh, And I don't think he's had to go through an injury crisis and try and get out the other side of it and hasn't had to use the full extent of his squad yet. So uh, I'm not saying that it's, it's a guarantee and we're basically going to win because of that, but I'm saying, I, I think we're more likely to push Tottenham a little more than we would do if they had a full strength squad out there and they didn't have any of these issues. Not saying that they really have issues either, but. You, you know what I'm trying to say. Is it is it fair to almost say that Postacoglu is doing um, what almost what Silver did with his Fulham squad last year? He took a good bunch of players, but is actually elevating to, them to another level. Mate, fair mate. call with that face, Sammy, because you, I'm pretty sure you said that. It might have been offline, but Sammy definitely made that comment before. No, I made it live on the podcast. This is the equivalent of like me telling you something, you going, that's kind of interesting, and then presenting it at a dinner party that I'm invited to. Oh, but I don't need to do it. To tell Sam. No, you definitely mate, didn't do that. This is, this is, this is, no, this is no, you are going recording. crazy, Sam. We can, we can going, go back to crazy. this. We can go back to this. This is actually this is why I love this format because now we have receipts. <laughs> is it yeah, possible? But who's going to scroll back through it? That's the question. Is it possible that I, I was on a that no. I was on a beach in Exmouth when you said that? Uh, I think maybe mentally, but it was definitely within the last fifteen minutes. So look, the um, only credit oh, really? that I'm giving you is what no, I said before. Sam, you I made me. Insane. You made me. No, so I feel that you can claim this because I feel that you have like anything that's said. Dim- Early dementia, comes from your bollocks. So yeah, right. All, I'm taking control. Was... Ease up, kittens. Um, let's have a bit of a think about the Fulham lineup in this game because there's a couple of questions that I think are still unanswered. Um, a few people have posed some interesting points as well 
on how we should potentially line up. There's obviously a big question around the goals and the goal scoring. We haven't been able to put the ball in the net on the with the frequency that we would like, especially based on how well we scored goals last season across basically the whole squad. Um, the fact that Tim Ream is, you know, one of our top goal scorers this year is pretty pretty damning, I'd say. So there's a couple of questions here. Firstly, are we creating enough chances for our strikers? And secondly, are our strikers good enough? Um, Sammy, I'll throw to you first talking about the, the creation of chances. Do you think we need to start looking at bringing in players like Tom Kearney, maybe Iwobi, um, and, and maybe taking out players like Harrison Reed who just don't offer enough creatively? I think... Um... We are in need of a structural shake-up. I'm always in favour of um, rehashing the team, restructuring the team before you get to a point where you, um, certain players age out. And I, th- I think it's healthy to um, essentially not make your team be stagnant and then uh, just kind of... Um, embrace new strategies. I know we've talked about Man City a lot, but Pep Guardiola is famous for just doing that every 15 minutes. And we do we do genuinely have players, like you said, like Iwobi and um, players like Harry Wilson um, that can offer some serious creativity, even Calvin Bassey, to be honest. like He's, he's proven that he can do some really, really interesting stuff. Um, I, you you can put it down as well to not necessarily amazing service um, from um, Vinicius and Reed, but um, oh, I was I mean I was listening to um, uh, Thierry Henry actually talk about this really really recently, and and I know he's in a completely different class to Vinicius and Jimenez, but. Um, he spoke a lot about how um, when he was playing at Arsenal, he got really annoyed and he went to Arsene Wenger and he was like, they're not giving me the ball. I'm not getting any service from them. I'm not getting anything. And um, Wenger turned back to him and said, well, uh, you might be calling for the ball, but are you finding the player? Like, what what are you doing to actually get that ball from that player? Are you, like, understanding how he moves? Are you... Are you understanding that um, you can you can't do uh, a long ball with Colatore, but you can do it with Vieira? Um, uh, are you aware that you can do anything with Burkham and he can find you, but you can't necessarily do the same thing with other players? And I, that, obviously, that's like expert level striking, but I do think it goes both ways. Yeah, you need service, but you also need to be in a kind of a, a mindset. Like Mitrovic was amazing at doing that. Mitrovic was amazing at creating chances seemingly out of nowhere and just understanding where everybody was at the pitch. And obviously that comes with experience. So, yeah, I don't know. I think we do kind of potentially need some new strikers. I think Vinicius does it better than Jimenez, but yeah, I don't know. I'm cutting you there, Sammy, because the question was, do we need changes in the midfield? I gave you my answer. I gave you my answer. I gave you my answer. (laughs) That is my answer. Yeah, You're finished with... Yes, we potentially need new strikers. Yeah, um, that's my answer for the question. Was not the question, uh, Dad. I'll throw across to you after Sam's whatever that was. Um, uh, let's let's talk about the strikers themselves in in Vinny and Jimenez. Uh, firstly, who would you pick? And secondly, do you think that they're struggling with a lack of service? Well. I want the right, Your Honour, to answer the last question that Sam butchered. <laughs> but um, I actually think this is a conspiracy theory started by the PR of the current Strikers Union um, to, to actually blame it on the midfield, not actually creating enough chances. Look, they can always do better. And, yeah, I know there's conversations about we should be using Tom Kearney more and whatever, but that's not a 90-minute proposition um but sadly and this is going to be a really unpopular uh, reference but i I was putting together some music for our intros you know the other or, or some commentary and that that caused me to go back and look at the highlights of last year and 
God, I miss Mitrovic. I hate, sorry, I hate to say it, unpopular opinion, I know, but she, the, the, you know, the number of goals he scored out of the same kinds of opportunities that our midfielders are actually being not criticised for, but kind of. Um, it to me is that you know is it is it six of one half? It's actually if you had better quality strikers, um, I think they knit together perfectly well with the opportunities pre- presented by this midfield. I feel um, that Dad literally just answered this the exact same way that I did, but in half the time. Maybe, yeah, but you still didn't yeah. answer the question that Jack asked. No, but he asked me. He 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 jumped to a different question. I said, I'm, I want to go back to the other question. And I'm saying... because yeah, I didn't want you to answer that question because Sam already butchered it. Um, <laughs> yeah. What I will say, what though, I... you made a mention saying it's a conspiracy from the Strikers' Union. If you look at XG, and I know XG is one of those weird stats that people aren't 100% sure on, but XG doesn't take into account the actual striker who gets the opportunity. It takes into account the quality of the chance at goal. And and Fulham have a yeah. very low XG for attempts on goal and goals scored, mm-hmm. um, which means that the strikers aren't actually getting good enough quality chances. And I, I think we could actually, that could fork off mm-hmm. and you could discuss mm-hmm. it in two ways and say the strikers um, aren't getting in the right positions, but also the, the ball has to get to them in the right positions as well. So, do we think that the strikers aren't getting into those correct positions, or do we I, I think that they're? I don't. I don't agree with what you just said. I think XG. I, I totally agree with the definition of XG. Um, but you could be served a really good ball, but the next step is up to you, and that's what XG is measured on as a striker. So you could you could get great service, right? Mm. And no, no, no. And, because and, if you get great service. And it's a it's an easy opportunity. The XG will be high, but if you if you get good service on the edge of the box and you're you have to then score a goal, the XG will be very low. On on that point, on that point, Jimenez must have a staggeringly high XG um, rating in comparison to what he's actually converted, because he gets in good positions. He just can't actually finish. But Vinicius. Doesn't necessarily seem to get in good positions, but yet he's more. Oh, maybe he does get in good positions though, because he's always kind of like floating around the box, and he's always at least holding up play. Like if I think back to the Luton game, I mean, he set up a lot. I feel for um, William and a couple of the other guys. He he was at least encouraging play to like move forward significantly more than Jimenez um, was and. I don't. I don't want to turn to a him and his bashing podcast because I feel that we've just that's kind of old news now. Um, but I do feel that like going forward, Vinicius has his setbacks. By no means is he the perfect striker, but I do think he's significantly better for what we actually need to do, especially in a game against Tottenham. All I'm trying to say is that I think it would be dangerous, and and what we think or say doesn't matter. It would be really dangerous if our management had started to look elsewhere for the problems as to why we're not scoring goals. That's a really good point, actually. That's a really good point. And I don't think they will be. I, I think Silver and Boa, they're not idiots. They would be expecting... I mean, it's, I think Silver's perspective is different, isn't it? He he totally believes in Jimenez and believes it's just a matter of time and mm. it will come. Um, but on the face of it, they're just not delivering. It's just a matter of how long you back the man um, before you make a, a kind of not a, it's not making a fool of yourself because what are, what are his options? He doesn't have many options. You can't go get a player off the shelf, can he? But well, if, if you look, yeah. if you look fractionally deeper into the XG for this season, Jimenez has played 526 minutes for an XG of 0.75 goals. Um, he's having roughly two shots on goal per 90 minutes. Um, Vinicius uh, has played 159 minutes, so about a quarter as many as um, Jimenez has played. Vinny's averaging um, almost three shots on goal per 90 minutes, 
and has an XG of point zero, sorry, point nine three. So he's got a higher XG, higher expected goals than Jimenez has so far this season from a quarter of the number of minutes, which means that Vinny's actually getting those chances. I mm. think at that point you can actually sort of close the conversation off and say it can't be the midfielders because Vinny's getting the chances, so Vinny's getting in the right spot. And maybe Jimenez's style just isn't quite suiting the way we want to play because I know, Sam, you've mentioned it a few times, he tends to drift wide for some reason. Oh, um, and, yeah, it's 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 just not working at the moment. I think, for me, the, the Jimenez experiment kind of has to end and he's off the bench trying to make an impact going forward. Do you know what would even be smarter? I know we're in full speculation basically playing like um, football manager, but I'd be totally fine if we just essentially moved him to like a left winger or a right winger positioning because I then that puts like a lot less F, um, pressure off of him being a target man. He's still got some pace behind him. Um, and like, I feel that he can be utilized because like he's not like it, w- his movement is actually very good. And you can see that he has some skill, but he's just really not very good at converting at the moment. Um, I, I would never play him on the wing and I don't think he'd get in the side ahead of um, uh, Willian or Wilson or BDR or any of our other wingers. No, of course not. Not at the moment. But like, how many more years has William got? You know. But don't you think we're think sort of the answer? Yeah. Don't you think we're just overanalyzing the the situation here? And I'm talking about the whole community here, not just us. That's why we've got a they're, podcast. They're just going to say it's not one of a podcast. <laughs> yeah, but they're just not, they're simply just not delivering. He clearly is a striker who has done things in the past. He's a known he's a known entity. But whether it's a confidence thing or it's just a bit of luck, because it's a huge amount of luck. Remember that game where Vinny got subbed off? Sorry, Jimenez gets subbed off and Vinny just turns up in the right spot. Yeah, of course. And slots the goal away. Yeah. It's just, it. I, I do think, I do understand where Silva's coming from. He's not blooding some 16-year-old and against completely against uh, all public opinion, believing that this guy one day is going to be um, you know, an elite level striker. This guy is an elite level player, but mm. he just can't seem to do it. And as I said before, I, I think Silver probably thinks if I crack this, it'll be the find of the the season for five point mm-hmm. five million pounds. Mm. You know, oh, definitely. and 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 it you could you can see it happening. Something's got to something's got to got to click together but you can actually see it happening. Mm. I think you are right. Scores goals for Mexico, you know. Mm. Mm. I think you are right, though, like what you said before, kind of offhandedly, but I do think it is still a good point that um, it should be referred to. That I do think it is kind of also up to Silva and the management of the player to, as you say, like unlock the thing that Jimenez had. Because, look, at the end of the day, the guys are playing within Silva's system, so... If they can't create goals out of silver system, then it then that's not necessarily a good thing. And I mean, as, and as we said before, Mitrovic was able to create goals out of anything. And until we get a similar striker to that quality, and I don't know where we would find one, um, it does well, kind imagine, of rely on silver. Yeah, you go. Imagine if you had fifty million pounds in your back pocket and you spent it. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. I wonder I wonder where that could like but how how could that possibly be, you know? Like right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing to say is we we sort of question Silver occasionally regarding him and as a selection, but um the same question was posed to the Mexico manager who continued to pick Jimenez. He played in the 2-0 win over Ghana. He played 73 minutes and started against Uzbekistan in the last um in the last international break, I reckon he'll probably start against Germany as well. Um, they play actually no, sorry, he stayed on the bench against Germany. That happened um, today or last night or whenever that happened. Um, but the Mexico manager is in a similar situation where he's saying the same thing, saying, you know, we have faith in Jimenez. We know what he can do. He's scored a bunch of goals for Mexico. He's got over a hundred caps for them. They have a lot of faith in him as a player, and so I think we have to 
kind of agree that across the board, everyone has faith that he's a good enough striker. It's just not happening at the moment. But the question is, do you continue to start someone who it's not happening for, or do you let him come off the bench and try and find some of that form? And I think for me personally, that's how I want to see it happen. I want to see him come off the bench, have that 20, 30 minutes at the end of a game and, and search for that goal. And when he does find it, I think that's going to change the the style of play from him and, and the performances as well. But until then, I think we can't continue to back someone because it turns into too much of a risk. I, I think that's a very, very good point, actually, because if you're, if you, what you're gambling as a manager is that something magically is going to line up. It's just as likely to line up <clears throat> off the bench in 15 or 20 minutes right now as it is yep. over over 90 minutes starting. And it's just a much lower risk way of doing it. I, right. think, I it think we, we yeah. can't keep taking the risk. That's the biggest thing for me. I do think it was unfair, like, of um, Silver, or maybe not necessarily unfair, but I don't think it worked in his best interest to immediately put him in the starting lineup and immediately make him the starting striker. Um, I Coming out of, like, Wolves, not necessarily in the best shape, and just, I, I feel that it was just unnecessary pressure. And I feel that we should have done it from the start, stick with Vinicius, and then let Jimenez take that position instead of uh, it do the other way where Vinicius was already confident and then we gave him a reason to push harder. In a sense, it's actually kind of great that we've actually lit a fire under Vinicius, but we've kind of lit the fire under the wrong player because... A, an extremely confident Jimenez, is, I reckon, is better than an extremely confident Vinicius. Well, we'll have to wait and see because I don't think we've seen either of them extremely confident yet. I think mm-hmm. Vinny is getting more comfortable for sure, but um, there, there's certainly a long way to go. And I, I don't think we're going to have the answers to our questions as well over the next couple of weeks because I think um, Vinny's going to have to score quite a few goals going forward to really solidify that spot. Otherwise, Jimenez will be knocking on that door again and and really trying to force his way back into the side. Um, guys, let's have a bit of a change of pace and uh, talk about uh, Fulham Women's, who didn't have the international break and have uh, played a couple of very important games in the last couple of weeks. First one we'll talk about is the one-all draw with Dulwich Hamlet. Sophie Manzi uh, getting a goal here. Uh, against a decent Dulwich Hamlet side as well, who are pushing really hard in the league. Uh, I think they're sitting fourth at the moment. Um, but they they look like one of the teams who are going to be in that chasing pack for the whole season. So a, a kind of a tough result where Fulham would have been hoping to maybe take home the win. Uh, it was a Wednesday night game from memory uh, at Mottsburg Park, a really well-attended game as well with, um, or I think it was just shy of 300 people in attendance, which is great to see. Awesome. Um so people good. getting around it and supporting it during the international break. Um, Dad, I'll throw to you first on this one. A, a kind of game where we were hoping for a win just to keep that pressure on Dartford, who are sort of running away with it at the top of the league. Um, do you think that would have affected the the confidence much? Or do you think it's one of those games that Dulwich are a decent side and you just put it behind you? I've said it before. It's, this group seemed to be in a very, very good headspace. Um, I think the nature of the league, long league, difficult, difficult challenge to get out of the, the league with only one team being promoted. I think that they're, they're, they're just very well attuned to not getting too far ahead of themselves. They, they will have been disappointed because no matter what anyone might've said publicly, I think they, they would have felt like this was a winnable game. And I think, with Dartford having faltered, um, you know, days later, they'll really rue that missed opportunity to pick up three points and really close the gap and start chomping at uh, Dartford's heels. So a bit of a shame, but, you know, the season's long, things happen, injuries. We're not, you know, we're, we're weeks and weeks off Christmas yet. So um, it's 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 just like a a, a really tight battle, isn't it? Um, between at least us and 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 Dartford and, and, and maybe maybe one or two more. Um, but I, to answer your question, I I don't think I don't think it's going to have dented the the confidence. But it's it 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 will surely be looked back on as a bit of a missed opportunity. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. look, it was like you can see it as a missed opportunity. I mean, I see it as um, us coming back from one nil down in an extremely competitive game. Yeah, obviously we would have loved to have closed it out at two one, but um, I still think it's always a testament when you can always come back. Um, you look these, I, I. Games against your contemporaries are always going to be tough. They're always going to require some serious resilience and mental strength. So, look, I'm I'm glad that um, uh, we at least held the game out and we didn't um, uh, lose because, you know, uh, I can can take a single point. Um, uh, It doesn't necessarily have to be three. And the girls girls are flying out as best they can. Yeah. I, I feel that we can just put this behind us and then we can just learn from it, you know? Yeah. I, I, again, I think you've both sort of mentioned, it. it's not a terrible result, but it's, um, it's obviously disappointing. Uh, I'm sure the group would have felt disappointed not to come away with three points there in a game where taking those three points would have really kept the pressure on Dartford. Dartford, I think that evening uh, won six or seven, one in their, their game. So that they won, a really good game on Sunday. They dropped a couple of points last night, though, when they played Ebb's Fleet. So um, there's definitely opportunities there and openings, and these are the games that you do want to be taking three points from just to keep that pressure on. But I, I think, yeah, you, you do walk away from this game fractionally disappointed, but the really important thing here, if we look at the next game that was played, so this was the midweek on Wednesday. On Sunday, Fulham played Enfield Town again at Motspur Park. And a really good bounce-back victory, 8-0. You know, it's hard to say as expected because um, uh, football's a a funny game. You never really count your chickens before they've hatched. But Enfield is struggling in the league this season. Um, And so to put them to the sword and and win 8-0, a really, really good result. Yeah, I mean, incredible, really. Uh, You don't – I don't think you have – many seasons in your career where you can you can win by five six seven or eight goals regularly i think your 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 uh your um i was going to name the name the school but i won't your school team uh were a little bit like that jack back in the old days why can't you why can't you name the school team that's not secretive here um confidential a bit of googling will work it out pretty quickly but um yeah, it's it is. You're right. It, it doesn't happen often where you are so dominant and, and interestingly, not sitting on top of the league as well. Um, uh-huh. uh, but it's 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 kind of good for the competition that there's there's a couple of good teams in this league. And you know, we we focus a lot on Dartford, but you look at Ebbsfleet, who are sitting in third place at the moment. They're only four points behind us, and they've actually played two games less. So. Um, they're definitely breathing down our necks. Uh, Dulwich Hamlet have played one game less and just four points behind us. So there's a high possibility that these teams do pick up those points required and we have a bit of a bottleneck at the top of the league that we we really want to try and push on and get out of. And so it's important to put these games away. And I think realistically, goal difference at the end of the season will probably come into it. Mm. So scoring eight goals against Enfield Town is important because a lot of the other teams are going to be doing the same. You can't uh, let these games get away from you and, and only put a couple past them and then take your foot off the gas. You really do have to push through and, and put eight through uh, and, and really put these games to bed. Um, speaking of putting it to bed, uh, Sophie Manzi bossing with a hat trick, like girls on an absolute tear. Really awesome to see. What is this like? I, I swear, did she get a hat trick um, uh, two games ago? Am I am I am I am I misremembering that or something? Well, I'll jump on our slides to the top goals. Well, your scorers. memory, um, your memory hasn't been great tonight, Sam. I mean, you've accused me of a couple of things, which is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do remember <laughs> that I graduated class of twenty eleven, Wesley College. <laughs> I wasn't referring to. That's uh, also not the school Dad was talking about. But yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, it's, yeah, <laughs> Sophie Manzi having a season season of her life so far. I'd, say that she's a, a proven goal scorer throughout the league so it's not like this is news to anyone but um 13 goals so far for the season um from 10 games nine in the league one in the cup the cup game was the one you're probably talking about sammy um, where sophie scored six yeah um, 
she's also scored three here, and I think she scored three um, in a game slightly earlier this season. Georgia Heesman is having a great season. She's got eight. Um, she's Sophie and Georgia, I think, both have seven in the league so far, um, sitting one behind one of the players from Millwall Lionesses as the top goal scorers in the league. Sasha Adamson, she's got six goals this year. She's also picked up eight assists as well and is is really one of the main cool. reasons that um, Sophie and George are actually scoring as at the rate they're scoring because the, the service is just brilliant so far this season. And, and that's where it all comes down to is putting the ball into the right areas. It's what we were talking about when we talk about Vinny and Jimenez. The ball is getting put into the right areas and the strikers are there and they're putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, and even someone like Edie Bouchelle, who's, who's only coming off the bench in a lot of these games and still managing to score five goals so far this season. It's, 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 it's emphatic. I think that's, that's the best way to put it. They're, they're, it's, it's constantly putting the team to the sword, foot on throat kind of stuff and just not letting up any pressure as well, which is really important when you're chasing down uh, promotion at the end of the season. Nah, completely relentless. Um, Oh man, they're just, they're just, they're just vicious, aren't they? Like literally, it's show no mercy stuff. It's awesome. Like, no, super proud of the girls. Like, and also just proud of them for actually getting um a decent turnout the other day. That's awesome to see. That that makes me feel that we're actually doing something half decent here by encouraging it. And yeah, let's get the four hundred. Let's get the five hundred. Let's let's get to as many numbers as we can for them because they deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's have a quick look at the league uh, as we're talking about it. Um. Dartford, as I said, sitting top on 25 points. Fulham in second on 20 points. Both teams have played nine games. Dartford so far unbeaten in the league. Um, so really driving home their advantage at the moment. So it'll be a very good game when Fulham come up against them soon. But they did drop points against Ebbsfleet Town, their first draw of the season. Um, and it kind of probably worked out for the best because Fulham don't really want Ebbsfleet picking up maximum points too often, seeing as they're right behind us but also stopping Dartford from picking up all three important in the chase to actually chase them down, despite it being still very early in the season. Um, Ebbsfleet sitting in third place on 16, Dulwich in fourth on 16 points. Then we have Sutton on 13, Saltine on 12, Millwall 10, Dorking Wanderers 9 points, Ashford 8, Aylesford 6, Enfield 1 point, and bottom of the table Crawley with no points from their seven games. Now, we've had a really good run of home games recently. We're actually now going into a period where Fulham won't play a home game for a little while. Um, looking at the upcoming fixtures, uh, let's look at the one that's the uh, the closest to us, which is the game in the FA Cup against Actonians Football Club. Uh, that's happening Sunday, the 22nd of October. It's a 3pm kickoff. It's at Rectory Park. Uh, that's a Sunday evening kickoff for us over here in Australia, Sunday morning for those in the U.S., um, we, we did touch on this uh, recently. It's going to be a good game uh, and one that Fulham would hope, be hoping to win uh, against an Actonian side um, who had a good result in the last round, but th this is a game that Fulham should be favourites for. Yeah. Um, uh, do, do you know how many games um, we've actually got away before we're back at home? Um. It's tough to say. I've actually just looked and there's been an update to the fixtures. Um, uh, we'll, we'll touch on it shortly, but it doesn't look like we're playing at home now until December sometime. So the next six games at least uh, are all away from home. Uh, there's a couple of cup games in there, but um, mainly league That's games. pretty tough. That's pretty tough. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, the good thing, at least we're, they're all Sunday games, so... Uh, we're avoiding that little period of midweek games. I know, um, obviously, at this level when people have jobs, so work midweek and have to then finish up at work, get to a game afterwards, and um, it, it does cause a few issues. So at least we're not having a run of away games and also having to to get the other side of London, for example, to, to actually make the game on time in the evening. Um, but, yeah, definitely being away from home for an extended period is not ideal especially when you're chasing constant victories mm. can i um you know obviously one of the things we're struggling with here is that we we have scant information um 
and we're we're trying to piece together the story from social media, Twitter, and you know some conversations that we're informal conversations that we might have. Um, how do we do this? How do we how do we actually how do we find out more? What what's the prospect of us actually seeing some live footage? I know it's probably not the highest of priorities, and I accept that there's some infrastructure involved in putting something like that together. But as I've said before, one assumes that in order to create a highlights reel of goals, you're probably recording 90 minutes. So I, I wonder, Fulham, FC. Give us the tapes. Yeah. Give us the tapes, people. We need the tapes. <laughs> or, or do we start a competition, you know, for a scruffy secondhand T-shirt, asking someone to record it, you know, to, to 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 actually talk us through the so game piracy. or FaceTime. You're, you're just saying FaceTime or something now. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give yeah. us the illegal look, look, streams. It's, <laughs> it's not really something we're going to be able to fix sitting here. Um, we can obviously and, – and we we have asked for footage from, uh, from the club and, and hoped that we can get a, a little bit more access to actually be able to watch these games. And uh, I would love to see some of these games be live streamed. It's possible that maybe – Actonians live stream the game. I don't think they have done in the past, but uh, as we progress in the FA Cup and hopefully stay in the FA Cup, I know Actonians are the league above us, but I think with some of the signings we've made this year, um, I, I like to think that we're actually, you know, pushing to maybe not be favourites for the game, but I I'd like to see us maybe put a bit more effort into getting slightly wider coverage. I know. The, the men's full 90 minutes get uploaded. I think sometimes the under-21s full 90s get uploaded. It would be good to see the, the women's games get fully uploaded so that we could actually watch them. And, and I agree, it'd be great. But uh, I think we just need to keep okay. asking the question. Okay. I mean, it's I'm a bit of a okay. fine okay. conversation okay. as well. I am in favour of every single person who listens to this podcast emailing in to Fulham and just doing a really annoying petty request. Because if every single one of us do it and say, can you please give it to that so craven? Can you please give it to that so craven? Can you please give it to that so craven? And literally just keep on doing that. Well, They'll I, be like, I don't, fuck off. <laughs> I don't even need, I, firstly, I don't, I don't need an exclusive um, access to 90 minutes. I'm just saying mm. it's a shame it's not available. It'd be great. It it's would do wonders. It would do wonders to promote the women because the more people watch the 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 coverage the more people are going to engage with it and more people might just decide to go and watch them uh, the 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 thing that actually comes to my mind park cricket in australia you know there's a there's a company called frogbox which allows a club for the 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 smallest amount of money to broadcast and stream their shitty park level cricket live on youtube Every weekend. Well, I mean, and obviously, so what we could if, do, if, Jack, you're on mute. If if we uh, if if that can happen at that level, um... I think I think we're getting off track here. It's not like the games aren't being recorded. It's just about hopefully seeing that there's published. a want for people to to see the games. But again, even then, I don't I don't think all of the under twenty ones footage is going on. So it's not like there's prejudice against one team and not against the others. But again, I think this isn't actually a conversation that we, we're not going to be able to change anything apart from constantly asking the question and hoping that we do get that put forward. Um, but well, again, you... I think it's more, it's an, it's an offline conversation that needs to be had with the club and, and not something that we can discuss here because we're not going to be able to change it by proposing that they put something online when no, it's, Disagree. We just need to keep asking for it. No, nah, disagree. I feel so like we, we need. We need so it. Can we have it then? I, I, yeah, vo I vote. I vote. If you, if you are a listener, if you are a lovely listener, and you live in uh, the West London area, and you own a trench coat and a pair of glasses and a nice camcorder, if you could get down to the game, just record it and then just send it through to us. Um, I would love to say that um, we'd be able to give you some money for it, but we don't even make commission on this, so you're gonna have to yeah, do it. I hope, the I hope you're happy heart. to pay any potential fines as well for that. So just, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, out of feel, love, feel out of love for this podcast. Anyway, let's keep um, keep moving on. And uh, yeah, like I said, the, the game against Actonians 
in the FA Cup is is a big opportunity for us to play against a team who is sitting in the league above. They had a good season last year, finished third in Div 1 South East of the um, FA Women's National League. So uh, they're, they're not, not going to be a walkover by any means. But like I said, with some of the signings we've made recently, where we're looking at players like Sasha Adamson, who's come from um, this league, or, or at least this sort of level, and, and a lot of other players as well who've played up up the grades, if you will, I, I feel like we should actually be looking to give them a really good game and, and hopefully pushing them all the way and, and maybe causing a bit of an early upset and, and seeing ourselves push on to the first round proper. Couldn't agree more. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, look, um, I, I, I agree with the sentiment we, we're saying. We, we really do want to push forward and, and get as much support around the women's as possible. And look, please do make an effort, uh, anyone who's listening to this, to get down to Motspur Park and support the women. Obviously, they're not there for a little while, but a lot of these games are in the, the local area. We're talking Ashford, Crawley, Ebbsfleet, Dorking, Clapton. Um, it, it's it's not, not a huge trek to get to some of these games. And, you know, just heading down to actually support is is the first step and then engaging on social media as well and really promoting the women's team I think is really important going forward. Um, one thing that's going to be great for the Fulham women's team and it, it, the date seems to have changed recently. Um, I believe previously it was looking at the start of December now. It looks like it's um, the middle of January. Um, a, an annual thing that Fulham are doing is is getting the women's team a game at Craven Cottage. This one has been organised uh, and it appears to be against Arsenal Women's Academy uh, and that's in the Capital Women's Cup uh, senior section. Uh, so Fulham will be playing Arsenal Women's Academy uh, potentially at Craven Cottage. It may have been changed recently because um, the, the website seems to have been updated with um, new information about where that game is being played. Um, on the Fulham website, it says it's the 19th of November at Craven Cottage, uh, an evening game. Um, sorry, not an evening game, a Sunday game. Uh, whereas the London, uh, the FA website seems to say that it's been moved to January and not at Craven Cottage anymore. So we'll definitely keep an eye on that and hopefully get some more information around that. But when Fulham women do play at Craven Cottage, I really think that's an opportunity for us to especially push it and and really get a few more people down there. I know last time out, I think it was 3,500 made it to Craven Cottage for the game. I'd love to see that number doubled, oh, especially yeah. with all the talk about ticket prices and how it's unaffordable to follow Fulham. It'd be great to see for these tickets. I don't know what the cost will be, but I'm hoping they, they remain low. You're talking, you know, under £10, and, you know, I'm hoping like a pound coin for kids like they did back in the old days. Um but just to get people down to watch the women's and, you know, if you do end up having 5,000 people down, you might easily pick up another 100 people who go to every single game at Motspur Park and follow the women more closely, more regularly. And I think it's a, it's a really important initiative that the club have. And I, I really hope that they do it more often than once a year. But it's really important that when it does occur, everyone gets down and gets around the women playing at Craven Cottage. Thousand yeah. percent. Glad, glad you've all added so much to that. But there's, you're right. There's not a huge amount more to say. Let's be honest. Yeah, just, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah, we agree. And give us the tapes. Yeah. How good would this podcast be if it's just me talking and you two going, "Yep." Just yeah. over and over again. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's yep. quite, it's quite tempting actually. But uh, <laughs> uh, it uh, means I'm doing a good job. I can only put it that way. Um, yeah, guys, let's discourse. <laughs> I don't need any more of that in my life. Um, let's call it a day there though. It's been, um, a lot to cover with a lot going on during the international break for our women's team. And then obviously the game coming up, it's good to get back to it. Good to be, um, yeah, looking forward to a game. It's going to be a shame that we're probably not going to be able to watch it seeing as it's a 3am kickoff for us here in Perth. Sammy, it's gonna be perfect for you. Wake up at six on your way to work, sit on the tram, watch the game on your phone. Dude, I drive. I am not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna crash my car for that. Um, but oh, but killing the environment, Sammy. One one journey, hour long journey at a time. Oh, I mean, I mean, I, I I was about to say I could get up earlier. I probably could. Yeah, no, I could probably do that for the girls. Why not? Um, 
Yeah. No, it's, it's, not, okay, it's like 12.40. It's like 12.40 my time. My late. brain is tapped out. I, I, I've, I've got very little left in the tank for myself. <laughs> That's all good. Well, look, let's let's wrap it up there. Though. Thank you again for staying up so late for this one, Sammy. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. It's been nice. It's good, it's, good, it's good to be back. I feel like I haven't seen you guys actually in ages. So, yeah, it's good to be back. It's good to talk. And, yeah, let's... Let's let's hop to it. I've I've real I'm 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 spent. Yeah, tap out, <laughs> so Sammy. Spent. Tap out. <laughs> Get off to bed. You could... And you can just say thanks sometimes. You know. Yeah. No, I can't. Yeah. People people need me to do. Oh, they don't. I have no they words. Really don't. I've really got nothing. No. And uh, Dad, thank you as well for joining us. It's a classic. I've got nothing, but I keep talking. Uh, yeah, the lover of, from the lover of white space. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Oh, thanks for having me. So thank you again to everyone who's joined in online to follow this one live. And thanks to all our listeners as well. And until next time, Mon You Whites. Bye.